We are speaking with the only man on the planet who has broadcasted live video from the moon on this edition of the DV Show. We're on a mission on a to mission. rid the world of bad video. Bye-bye. This is the DV Show. Target in range. Bad video sucks. Welcome to this edition of the DV Show Podcast. My name is Brian, and that's right, we are on a mission to rid this world of bad video. Now, what is bad video? It not only looks and sounds horrible, but bad video doesn't do anything. If it doesn't engage or get results, it's bad video, and it's a waste of everyone's time and resources. Now, one of my favorite unforgettable interviews was with Stan Labar, the NASA engineer who headed the team that created that black and white camera for Apollo moon missions. Now, Stan created the camera that engaged the entire world as they watched Neil Armstrong take his first steps on the moon. We all watched this during the worldwide television broadcast of the landing in 1969. Now, that broadcast wasn't perfect, but we still view the historical footage to this very day, thanks to Stan and his team. Now, we're pulling this podcast up from the archives, along with some audio not included in the original edited version, which was released back on July 12th, 2009. Unfortunately, Stan passed away six months later on December 23rd, 2009. He was 84 years old. So we are once again dedicating this podcast to his accomplishment. As one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. First of all, it's, I'm very honored to speak with you. <laughs> I, I didn't think it was this easy to just dial you up and talk to you. <laughs> well, I assure you, there's nothing strange about that. No, uh, this was this was quite an accomplishment for you. You got an Emmy Award for doing this, and basically, what you did was you brought the images of the Apollo 11 mission to the Earth through this camera that you designed. That's true. Wow, that's that's just that's just amazing. Now, how, how did this all happen, Stan? What did this? You worked for Westinghouse. I mean, uh, how did the NASA approach you? Did Westinghouse approach you? Bring me back to 19. What was it? 1964. When this first happened? 1964. Uh, It turned out that uh, uh, RCA had already been given a contract early on, I I think it was 1962, I think it was, for a small Viticon camera to carry on board the Apollo. But it was never, it could not uh, operate on the moon. It didn't have the capability, uh, light range, or any other thing. So it was never intended to operate other than in the command module. And the NASA went on a search uh, to find who had all of the capability to do this. And it turned out that Westinghouse, though RCA uh, was very very uh, effective and very, very large in the uh, studio cameras, Westinghouse had gone a different route into the military type mm. camera. And so we had, uh, at that time, cameras on board, uh, high-speed aircraft cameras on board, uh, submarines and, and tanks and, and what have you. And so uh, we had a lot of, we have done a lot of work with cameras that were 
experiencing very high and very difficult environmental conditions and had to be small, uh, low power, and so forth. But we had also uh, had uh, gone into a rather extensive uh, integrated circuit uh, work, which uh, we had a major laboratory uh, and probably one of the best at this time. Mm. And we were able to do, we did a great number of uh, integrated circuits, very difficult, very complex, for our own equipment. It was never for sale. So we had an in, in-house capability. Mm. And the other third factor was that we had, a, our tube division had developed a, a very small low-light level camera uh, tube, camera tube, mm. Uh, called the uh, Secondary Electron Conduction Tube, SEC tube, mm-hmm. which would allow us to actually operate at either lunar day or lunar night. Mm. So having all of these three uh, capabilities, uh, NASA decided that Westinghouse was probably the only company at that time that was going to be capable of taking this job on. So they came to Westinghouse and asked Westinghouse if they would do it, and that's mm. the way it uh, uh, it came about. And that's how it all started. Now, were you were yeah. you kind of concerned with this with this tube camera? If the astronauts pointed it up at, at something bright, that it would that it would burst or something? Or, or? yes, uh, it, it, the tube was sensitive to being or any any camera tube at that time. Uh, it wasn't just this tube. Uh, that was the uh, soft spot of any camera tube that if you pointed it at the sun and you hadn't taken proper precautions, uh, you'll burn that tube out or burn a hole in it or, or you make it so it, it just can't operate. So that was, a, that was a, 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 a situation that any of the uh, tubes at that time uh, experienced, and so did the one we had. So this was this was a, a major concern. Now, now, Stan, I I wasn't around in the 1960s. I was actually born in the 70s. And cameras in in your in that day, these things were like 400 pounds. So one of the challenges was you had to bring this down to a very small size. How long did it take you to do that? Well, we started out with that concept in mind. We again, we had already been built, but it had to withstand uh, a 550 degrees temperature range on a lunar surface, mm. and we had to find a way to uh, certainly, and it can only do that passively, you couldn't do anything that would would uh, uh, actually uh, force the, the temperature down, so, uh, so in, in that regard, uh, the, uh, it, it, the thermal uh, back, thermal vacuum uh, capability of the camera became a, a, a problem in a way, and probably one of the more major problems. But by going to integrated circuits, we had 27 integrated circuits wow. uh, and, and that were uh, involved, uh, all, uh, all designed just for that camera. And it was through the use of integrated circuits that we were, were able to bring the uh, uh, size down, a weight down to uh, mm. seven pounds, wow. and uh, we were also uh, able to bring the power down to uh, seven watts, or what one would uh, uh, need for one Christmas light bulb. Wow, you're kidding! So, so you were you were, Stan, you were really the first guy to create a portable camera. I mean, this was yeah. unheard of in your in that day. <laughs> yes, uh, it it. 
you know, it's not the forerunner of the little cameras that everybody carries around, but it was the first of that type with that kind of capability. Uh, and it's not the kind of thing you'd sell at Walmart because no. it's a million dollars a pop. So. <laughs> a million dollars for that camera? Yeah, about that. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my gosh. That's a that's a lot of money, and it all, and it says here I'm well, reading. Well, that include all the development and so forth. Wow, <laughs> that's five years, and you it was not, not only you it was a team of other people too, right? Well, it was there, we had a core group of about seventy five people, and at any one time there were probably about five hundred people in and out working on the program. Wow, so it was a it was a very intense program. Uh, it involved uh, going into areas that had never been explored before, uh, never having a live camera ever produced uh, operate on the moon. No, that's that's, so that's it was a it was a it was a challenge. That's amazing. Challenge. That's amazing. Now, Stan, bring us back to uh, July twentieth, nineteen sixty nine. After all of this work, one million dollars, five years of intensive labor, uh, intensive work, uh, figuring stuff out. What was it like? to see that camera working finally? Or was it working at first? Well, it, it, uh, I can say that the uh, 10 minutes before was probably the most agonizing, or whatever it turned on, was probably the most agonizing <laughs> moment in my life. But uh, when it came on, uh, there were two factors. Uh, one, uh, as I said, there was no backup, so uh, wow. we were pretty much aware of that. If that camera didn't work, we were going to be staring at a blank screen. And hundreds of millions of people would be uh, without uh, an image on their screen. Wow. And when it came on, we were just... Uh, actually, what happened was we were sitting in a lab uh, just outside of the, the mission control. We had a... All we had was a, was a monitor, a, a oscilloscope, and a telephone that we could be in contact with the mission control. Wow. And uh, when Aldrin uh, it was in the spacecraft uh, on the moon and, and uh, uh, Armstrong had gone out onto the porch of the limb, Aldrin uh, said he's turning the camera switch on. And just a few seconds after that, I looked over to the oscilloscope and there was this uh, sync signal. Every camera has a timing signal. Yes, sync signal. yeah, yeah. And uh, there was a sync signal, and I said, my God, I think we got a sync signal. <laughs> and when I started to figure out how much, what it took to get that uh, sync signal, I, said, my, I think this camera's going to work. And just uh, about two or three minutes after that, Alden pulled a, a D-ring out on the porch, and that opened the door on the descent stage of the of the limb where the camera had been mounted on the inside. Wow. So as the door swung down, the camera ended up pointing directly at the limb. Wow. And we had a picture of the limb and we had an image. And at that point, we knew we were, we, we were in. Wow. What, is, <laughs> what, what did you feel like? What, what was your feeling at that well, moment? It, it was one of the exultation, actually, at, uh, and, and relief. Wow. And the relief was that I'd been uh, tasked by our management to go on uh, to go on television if the camera uh, or if we didn't get a signal one way or the other and 
I dreaded <laughs> that the idea that I had to go on camera to tell the world that we're not going to get one was not something I was looking forward to. So it was great relief as well to know that the camera worked. Wow. I didn't have to do that, but but it was also watching the camera and watching the astronaut was a thrill in itself. Wow. And, uh, and, and not too long after that, we we became so engrossed with what was going on. Uh, we had worked five years towards this point, and to watch the results of what we had done actually be provided and displayed all over the world was was a real treat for That's us. That's amazing. That's amazing. I mean, you're the only man on this planet who actually knows what it feels like to broadcast from the moon with something that he made. You're the only person ever. Well, uh, up to that up to that time, yes, uh, I can say that if you're talking about live television, it's true. And wow. uh, it was rather interesting. It turns out that it was, a, in, in a way, a turning point in that this was the first time where the the written news media had to rely totally on television for their news. Mm. And uh, it became, it was considered one of the, the first remotes of that nature in the world wow. uh, as a news item. Wow. That's unbelievable. So tell us a little bit more about this camera. Did it, did it record? What kind of format was it? Uh, well, I mean, it was it, black and white. It was black and white, and uh, unfortunately it, it uh, couldn't be standard format for the simple reason that the uh, video was put into the uh, telemetry band uh, and the telemetry was used for uh, streaming down to provide information about the health and welfare of the astronaut, the vehicle, and whatnot. In 1962, when they, when they picked out all the points of telemetry they wanted, they only had 500 kilohertz of bandwidth uh, left for television while television was being black and white was being transmitted at uh, 4 megahertz, mm. so it was, you know, like one-eighth. <laughs> and it was just impossible. You cannot put uh, a standard black and white uh, video into uh, 500 kilohertz. So they came out with a, a non-standard uh, format. It was a 10-frame rate versus 30 at standard, and it was 320 lines versus 525 lines mm. on standard. And it was non-interlaced versus interlaced. And when they did that, it, 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 uh, they had chosen very well in a way because if you were able to build a camera to that and build it properly, you would get a 200-line resolution uh, mm. image, which is not, not, bad, not bad at all. Mm. However, you had to convert that image. You could not... You could not uh, transmit that and, and for use on home television. So they had to build a converter to go from 10 frame rate to 30 frame rate. Mm -hmm. And doing that, the, the conversion process at that time was very crude in compared mm -hmm. to today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. And they, the only way they had to do it is they, uh, they imaged a 10 frame rate on a, a 10 frame rate monitor and a little Viticon camera was, was looking at it. Mm. And then they processed it by, uh, they had to had to copy him, uh, the each frame that came down, 10 frame, they had to copy five more times. So they had to have six, 
six actually copies to get it up to a 30 frame rate. And so by doing that, you're, you're, you're missing information. And, and if the motion, if, if the uh, astronaut moved, you, depending on how fast he moved, you could end up with a um, motion smear. Mm. And Which was that ghosting, that ghosting effect that you see. Ghosting and whatever. And the end result was, uh, uh, unfortunately, the uh, converter uh, actually de- degraded the image. The image coming down the moon was was extremely, the 10 frame rate that came down directly mm. from the moon was uh, extremely good and sharp, it was clear. Wow. Uh, and uh, it was only seen by the people in the tracking station, three tracking stations, two in Australia and one in the United States. Wow. So no one in the United States ever saw the actual uh, 10 frame rates. I didn't see it or, or NASA didn't see it, no mm. one. So we had no basis of comparison except we had simulated it. Uh, I was very much aware that uh, the image have been uh, very badly degraded, but mm. uh, at that point in time, you took what you had yeah. and you ran with it. Exactly. So this wasn't this wasn't NASA's intention. I mean, I'm no. sure everybody has it had it in the back of their mind that the quality really was an issue, but there's really nothing you can do about it. Yeah, you're right. It wasn't. And the funny thing, uh, we, I just uh, we received a note from uh, from uh, Neil Armstrong, and there's one little paragraph in it, and what he stated was. That I never, I never had. He said I never seen it transmitted, but they assured me it would work. And the question was, at that time anyway, it would work. And he went on to say, when uh, I heard uh, Houston say that uh, uh, that we have a picture, he says I probably I was the most surprised person in, <laughs> in, uh, on, anywhere in the solar system. Wow. That. Uh, that found out it did work, and he said, "I was never concerned about the quality. I was only concerned of whether it would work or not, and right. it did." Right, and it did, and everybody was excited. Now, what we saw here back back on the planet on on live television on our television screens in our living rooms was a signal from a TV. So they were basically shooting the image. The television crews here were shooting the image on the screen over at uh, Mission Control, right? Yes. Okay, yes. so that wasn't a direct feed. Well, no, it was not direct. They were, they were getting the. Uh, they had the, the the signal came into the tracking station, three tracking station. Uh, they converted it and they sent the converted signal to Houston. Mm. And it was a converted signal that Houston was using. Wow! And, and, that, and that was the only one they ever got. And that went to everybody's home here in America. So all of these people who who think that the moon was a hoax. Uh, and this and this was part of it. Uh, I mean, there there it is, debunked right there. I mean, we, you just couldn't do anything else about the quality. No, no, we couldn't do anything about it. If we had a back room, we did in the back room. We did a much higher quality. <laughs> now my back lot. <laughs> exactly. But we had no backlog. No, exactly. I, I, for one, don't believe in that hoax, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of evidence that they have, and, and I personally don't believe it. All of that, it, uh, let me put it this way. I have lived with that bunch for 40 years. Really? And they're uh, absolutely ludicrous. Uh, whatever information they have is, is ridiculous. Mm. And uh, they, although they say 6% of the people... Uh, believe that? Well, I, I think six percent or more believe that. If you handle the frog, you're going to get washed. So what? 
So I, it I, I, I have no, I, I resent uh, anyone yeah. discussing it only from a standpoint. They don't deserve a legitimate or, uh, format. I agree. I agree with you 100%. So Stan, you, uh, you, you travel now. You, do you uh, talk about this camera at all? How do you feel when you see it? Because well, it still I is mean, around. It's still, it's pretty interesting. I received email from all over the world and had for all these years. And there's new groups of young people coming on that have interest and whatnot. And there's always someone or some group that uh, would like to hear more about it. And when they can, I and when I can, I support it. I'm 84 years old. Oh, wow. So wow. I'm not quite as active as I was. I got to admit, but, though, you're, you're very sharp. I've, I've listened to some of your podcasts and some of your interviews, and, and you're, you're sharp. You're, you're still, it's like I'm talking to you back in 1969. You still know well, your stuff. Hey, I, well, I think if you talk to me on another subject, I may not be as sharp. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's the kind of thing that's sort of uh, imprinted in your mind. So. Wow. Well, that's uh, that's quite an achievement, and uh, you got the uh, you probably got excited again in 1970 when you when you received from the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences. Yeah, that was fun. That was, you got the outstanding achievement in coverage of a special event. I mean, they call it special event. I mean, this is a, a monumentous event, in my opinion. Yeah. So you have an Emmy Award. That's just amazing, Stan. That's just uh, yeah. that's that's uh, unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah, we we enjoyed that moment. So thank you very much for uh, making that camera, and uh, thank you for bringing those images to the world of what happened in uh, 1969. And thanks for coming on the DV Show. Okay. Well, that does it for another edition of the DV Show podcast. Thanks for listening and subscribing. Whether it's about developing creative content, live streaming video, the best video equipment, software choices, editing tricks, copyright, intellectual property, anything creative, technical, or business, We're here to inspire you to create better video. We're passionate about sharing our expert knowledge, tips, tactics, and techniques to those who want to use video to increase business. Listen to our live webinars and recorded workshops. We have one-on-one coaching, a supportive forum, we have a premium subscription service, and of course, this podcast. You're one of 250,000 weekly listeners, and I thank you. Video production just got easier. The DV Show.